0: I am Plot on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia, at thecommentary.ca. Amelia Semington Fetty joins me again. This past fall, she published Skid Dogs, a memoir that has sold well and gotten good notices. In the book, she recounts what it was like growing up in a small farming town, Armstrong, British Columbia, and how uh, she's drawn back to it in 2011 when a girl, Taylor Van Diest, is murdered on the railroad tracks. Now an adult, she goes home to comfort her terrified mother, and at the same time she realizes her own coming of age was not what she thought it to be. Told alternating between the 2011-2012 period and the early 1990s, the book looks at the bonds forged in those formative years of high school and what friendship is like for girls. It also looks at the complications in mother-daughter relationships. Amelia looks critically and honestly at uh, her high school years amid the 1990s rape culture, As uh, she comes to terms with friendship, assault, and violence, we see a clearer picture of her life and how that has affected her now as a wife, a parent, and an artist. Amelia Semington Fetty is an international theater creator and the founding co artistic director of The CHOP. She's a graduate of uh, Studio 58 at Langara College and the Writer's Studio at uh, Simon Fraser University. She's a frequent contributor to CBC Radio. Visit emiliasemingtonfetti.com and her Instagram, sf. This uh, book is published by Douglas and McIntyre. She lives in the Shushwap, but joined me from here in Vancouver two weeks ago. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online Program, Emilia Semington fetti Ms. Semington fetti good morning.
1: Hi, Joe.
0: N- nice to talk to you again. Um, yeah, you too. So I was, uh, I was looking it up because I forgot how long ago it was that we talked last. It was six, almost six years ago now, in February. Um, when the audio book you'd written had come out trying to be good. Um, For people listening to us, uh, these are obviously two different works. Um, Do you see them in companion to one another?
1: No. I mean, okay, so honestly, my artistic practice, I love audio. That's basically what it comes down to. I'm a theater maker by trade. That's how I pay my bills. I love the form of audio, and so before I went back to school and became a writer, learned literary practice, I put together this audio book, this kind of storytelling melange called Trying to Be Good. And so, yeah, that was six years ago. And then directly after that project, I went, hmm, I actually want to write some stuff down. I want to be able to be smart enough to do this. So I went to school. I went to SFU. And got two different um, diplomas, and got some writing skills under my belt.
0: Yeah, and and um, be, because this book is is um, I don't know how to put this. It, it, it's such a remarkable read. Um, it, it's tough to put down, even though there were, are scenes in the book that, that um, you don't really want to have to say read again and again. You know what I mean? Um, I
1: know i and I, and honestly joe, i didn't realize it like when I was writing it, i didn't realize there is a harshness and there is a discomfort quality to the reading of some parts, which i've now realized makes perfect sense because there was a harshness and an uncomfortability to experience said events, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so the reader's experiencing kind of what the author also felt viscerally.
0: Yeah, so I'd read, read the book a few months ago when I first got it, and then uh, in preparing for the chat today this past uh, week, I, I started looking back at it, and I remember, I can't remember which parts of the book, but I remember which side of the page it was, and I sort of skipped those again. Um, uh-huh, but at uh-huh. the same time, th- these are things that we need to read about. I mean, uh, growing up is hard enough. Uh, those years in high school are pretty tough for, for anybody. Uh, yeah. For girls especially. I mean, I'm talking as a guy here. Um it's really rough what what someone who's female has to go through. And um, it's not easy, especially in those years, those those formative years of high school.
1: Yeah. And, you know, also, interestingly enough, is none of the events in the book Mm -hmm. felt at the time harmful, if you can, right? Right. None of the events at the time I would have considered um, assault rates anything. It was living, surviving, getting through, trying to be popular, trying to have a boyfriend. It was all just normal life stuff. It wasn't until I was in my mid-forties that I went, okay, I don't know if I was raped, but I definitely didn't say yes very many times. So it's about having a conversation about the, the nuance of, this isn't like violent, extreme stuff that we know is bad. Let's talk about the subtle, everyday stuff that girls live through. And don't really pick up on until they're in their middle ages. What the hell
0: did I put my body through? Yeah, that, that's the, the the sad part. It's how insidious it is. And I, I, you know, I'm 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 41 now. I don't know what it's like for for people growing up in in high school today. But I'd, I'd assume that a lot of it's the same. Um, yeah. So, so what does that say about our culture? And I, I guess this, this, writing this book certainly was was something to address, was a way to address that, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I wanted to, so I did not, so Taylor, the book starts with Taylor, a girl is murdered on my hometown railroad tracks, where I, the same railroad tracks I grew up on. Mm-hmm. And so we can identify immediately that murder is wrong and it's horrible right. and it really kind of destroys my small town. So as I'm home walking these tracks that used to be a place of peace and safety, I start to consider, wait a minute, I wasn't murdered. I wasn't violently raped. But there were some really bad things happened, and I'm affected by it. And so and Amelia, the writer, is like, okay, so let's talk about, um, let's get nuanced. Like we know me too. We know what's bad. We know what's wrong. Let's get nuanced into the conversation of, um, yeah, all the stuff that isn't talked about, all the touching and the groping and the drunk sex and the saying yes even though you didn't want to, and and even as a, as a girl walking towards it, quote-unquote, not asking, like like walking towards danger. Let's have me, I did it, unpack it, be honest about it, so the men and women reading the book can be reflective and go, "Holy crap, was I involved in that? Did a girl walk towards me in that farm in that way? Was I involved in this power dynamic that I had no awareness of?" Yeah. That's the hope.
0: Yeah, and so as you connect yourself with your past, um, in terms of say writing the book, um, how do you? Um, I don't know how to, how, to, how to put this, but how do you be careful with yourself? I mean, you're, oh, you're obviously want you're, you're obviously wanting to go back and, and look critically at these things, but but sometimes th- these things are traumatic for a lot of people, and so uh, you do take care, don't you?
1: It's a very excellent question. How do I be careful with myself, and how do I be careful with the folks reading the book? Like, I don't want this to be trauma porn, right? I have no interest in this being salacious. How, how do I, so how I did, Joe, was when I was 13, involved in these six situations, the truth of the matter was I did not know I was being harmed. Yeah. I, was thir- I was a 13-year-old, and innocent, and I was experiencing it with the innocence of a 13-year-old. So it, I wasn't looking at it from this harmed lens, poor me, victimhood. I was looking at it from a, I'm 13. There's this thing in my face I have to deal with. I don't know how. It's almost comedic. It almost becomes, um, when you look at it in the eyes of the child, these situations almost become kind of like grotesquely comedic. Mm. So that's, that's how I did it. Is I, wasn't, um, I wasn't grieving for me. I was inside the 13-year-old trying to figure out a situation.
0: Yeah. And, and and for, for people listening, so there there is a lot in the book that is that is humorous. There's, there's a lot of joy as well. Um, yeah. I, I guess humor that's always helped you, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, so humor to me is a real tool. So the girls, that's how we lived and survived, is through our blatant joy, profound joy that blenched people. So through the pain. Uh, what got us through was the hysteria of being together, being our girl gang. Mm-hmm. And, and and so being an artist now, how do I talk about difficult things is usually through humor and lightness because that's a way in, right? We can, we can talk about something that um, has great pain in it if um, maybe we, we go in sideways with some lightness, with some humor, with some hope, with some um you know childlikeness yeah. so for me it's it's again a way to not um it, it's a political to deal with heavy topics is is through using humor as a tool
0: so so the book is told in in chapters and the, the chapters alternate between say uh 2011 2012 uh to the 90s when you were when you were uh younger mm-hmm. um i have to say when i started reading the book i i um I wanted to to somehow take out um, the 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 past, say, and then put those together, and then um, take oh, out the present. Oh yeah, like read
1: it chronologically. Sure. Yeah,
0: and then as I finished the book, I realized um, there's a point to all of this. <laughs> that, you, that you wrote it this way, you, you put the book together this way, um, because the, the um, looking at it from afar, um, the the chapters. Um, alternating as you do they work out so beautifully it's almost like a quilt where mm-hmm. um, they're meant to be that way I don't know did you write it like that or, or
1: yeah I sure did try to I sure did try to I mean that's the thing so my my training is in playwriting right so I am used to finding abstract ways of getting things match and work together and so to use um, say, a metaphor or imagery in, in, chap, in the chapter of the 1991 that then carries into the 2011 thing that yeah. kind of brings you through energetically. And the point being that you don't learn these lessons until you're at the end. And so mm. here I am, a teenager, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old. I did not know what the hell was going on. I could not put words to it until I was in my mid-40s. And so, the, yeah. like, that's just... And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a smart, well-read, woman's group, feminist. Like, I'm, of all people, who should be really intelligent about what's going on. <laughs> I still, it took me 25 years to click into these small, subtle ways in which misogyny... Um, I harm myself, and I am harmed by misogyny. Yeah. Yeah, it took me until 2013, my mother dying, my first being born, where a lot of these um, things clicked into place.
0: Um, are you glad that, that you had sons rather than daughters?
1: My gosh, what a great question. I feel, um, well, I love my boys. They're my, they're my favorite. I wouldn't want anything different. I feel like they're going to have a really hard time. Um I feel like they already, um, uh, you know, white boys in small town, wh- the the role of that. Um, so I feel like I can teach them and support them in being good human beings. Um, I would have done the same thing as a girl. I would have given her the skills to be a good human being. So my friend has daughters, Uh and her training, the one thing she taught her daughters was, just keep checking in with yourself. Is this as pleasurable for you as it is for them? That's the only question you ever have to ask. So when you're engaged, like when you're on a date, when you're kissing, when you're having sex, when you're walking, when you're knitting, whatever you're doing, are you getting as much pleasure out of the event as he is that's the only question that needs to be asked and then if you're not you stop the event so that's then what i would try to check in with my boys about is are you offering as much interest and pleasure to this event as she's offering yeah that would be that in if you know if they are heterosexuals and in relationships sure, etc yeah. but i feel like my boys are um oh, my God, they're just already smarter than me. They're already on top of things. Um, I feel like it's a whole new world and generation. I feel like they're, they've been born into a world where they're going to have to be part of a really big change. Um, and so all I can do is, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, honestly, I moved to the woods is um, let's kind of get grounded in, uh, Mother Nature and mm-hmm. and and Earth and our neighbors and being kind to each other and um, taking care of each other. Let's just let's just start with those basics.
0: The, the speaking about being kind to, to each other, um, I noticed in, in this book as well as the audio book, um, you are brutally uh, yeah. w- br- brutal with yourself that, that mm-hmm. y- in your honesty. Um, mm-hmm. You're too honest, perhaps, about yourself and that you don't spare yourself from any criticism or any, mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, is, is, that um, is that tough sometimes for you to, to take when, when, you, when you're critical about yourself, say?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's my job. Like, as an artist, it's my job. It's to be self-referential. I'm using myself as the example, right? So I am holding myself to the highest of tests. I'm not holding men and boys up to those tests. I don't know what it's like to be a man or a boy. I am not holding them to the flames. I'm holding myself and my own experience and my own reality of what I was like as a daughter, what I am like as a mother, what I was like as a teenager to my friends. That's the only way I can um, do any sort of like kind of like education or or hope that I could be, you know, socially change-making in any way is if I look deeply at myself, right? I'm not pointing any fingers, I'm just turning inward. So that's my whole art practice. It's usually done comedically. Sometimes it's very harsh. Sometimes I have dropped to my knees and I have cried in my office and it is a very painful process Mm -hmm. and I am not paid well enough for it. (laughs) But I feel like it's my job. It's my job to be um, self-referential and go, how can i be how can i be a better human like i don't want if a woman is in a relationship with her mother and her mother is ill and she, i would love her to read this book and maybe make some different choices i would love that right through mm-hmm. my through my grief and guilt of how i behaved with my mother it would be lovely if if, if a woman went okay i'm going to pull out some passion here because amelia you know kind of Kind of sucked. Kind of sucked
0: at that. Like, mm-hmm. um, so that that's my way of healing. That's my way of making amends. Well, when you write um, this book, you're you're writing your story, obviously, but there are other people who are involved um, in, mm-hmm. in in the events that are written about. Um, in in terms of of one's own say memory and and what others might, how how others might remember those similar situations. Um, what have you heard from say? people who are depicted in the book and, and what they remember, did, did they ever come into conflict, say?
1: Great question. Well, every single person that's in the book that is recognizable has, been, has read the book mm-hmm. and asked their permission before the book was published. So I, I really was careful with um, making sure everyone felt respected um, and that their story was okay to be told. So that's the number one line for me. Then number two, I actually one of the girls in my girl gang phoned and said, "Em, you left out all the worst parts. <laughs>
0: mm.
1: <laughs> like, like she's like you were you were you were kind like you you were you are pretty gentle with the stories you told. Like a lot of like are wow. a lot harder than I remember than the stories that are in the book. So that was surprising to me. Um, my I mean the biggest fear always is to be called uh, when you're being so brutally honest with yourself and with your own life is for that to be challenged, right? Like, um, I don't, I don't remember it the same way as you do. And so all I can say is that, um, so for example, with, um, with my father in the book, is Mm -hmm. a good example. Um, I love my father, my father and I have a complicated relationship. I don't need to rake my father across the uh, coals publicly I want my father to have a relationship with his grandchildren. So, therefore, I am going to be careful and considerate. I, 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 there's lots I could have gone into, and I'm, not, and I'm not going to, because I also am a human who wants um, to be in relationship with the people in her life. The boys that I now see as men at the beach, right, mm-hmm. these boys I grew up with, I now see them as 45-year-old men at the beach with their children, and I don't want them to feel attacked or you know like misunderstood or angry at me, like I've written some expose on them mm-hmm. um, so i there is a kindness and a carefulness in which I try to be when I'm speaking the truth and and I, and I think I did it I, I actually yeah. think I did it yeah
0: yeah I, I, I can't help but think you did you know as as a, as a reader of the book. Um, the other thing that the book does is, is remind us of, of Taylor Van mm-hmm. Um I mean, a lot of us remember hearing about her murder in the news, um, and your book reminds us of, of, of what happened and what it's like, especially in, the, in a small town um, like that. Um, c- connecting with that story, I mean, it, it, it seems like it, it um, I hate to use the word luck, but it, it sort of it comes together, doesn't it? Yeah, you. well,
1: that's why it became my story to tell. You know, mm. it became my story to tell, and I, I don't. We don't have a lot of stories that are ours to tell. You know, I don't think. I think a lot of us get into trouble for telling stories that aren't ours to tell. But this story was mine to tell because when I was on the tracks, a few days after Taylor was murdered on them, mm-hmm. in the spot, in the same spot where I grew up, a girl was murdered. It was too close to home. It was too exacting for this to not be my story. How is it possible that the safest, most joyful, exciting place in the world is now empty and full of terror? Not okay. I have to do something about it. So it it, it was very personal and became my story to tell. Um and then i be you know developed a, a relationship with Taylor's mom and was able to make sure that what I was doing was okay with her and mm-hmm. the The point is is for her is i want I want Taylor to be remembered I want people talking about her I want her vivaciousness and you know um just how spirited and hilarious she was to always be remembered and it's it's now moving into year twelve mm-hmm. and you know i on Halloween night, the night she was murdered, um, 12 years later, I drove to the spot, and I sat for three hours, and I lit a candle, and I just spent time there, and um, there were other candles lit, too, from other people who remembered Taylor and wanted to spend time on the night, so she is remembered and acknowledged and honored, and um, and I was really the only person equipped to share her story.
0: Yeah, and it's an important. I mean, you know, every life is important, obviously. But I mean, this senseless murder. I mean, it, it, it's something that ought to be remembered, I guess. But whether you're from that part of the world or not.
1: Yeah, and just the fact that, like, the the a it can happen to anyone. This is just the shocking thing. Yeah. Like, it's not. It's not. Are you kidding me? Small farming town, British Columbia. Uh, Like, are you 6 p.m. at night, not even dark yet, busiest night of the year? Are you kidding me? Like, this is not supposed to happen.
0: It reminds
1: us that this isn't the world we want to live in, right? It reminds us we want to make change. And then when I look at my own life and go, okay, so I wasn't murdered, but I was harmed. And that's not okay either. So let's unpack it, look at it, face it, and then... Our kids can do it differently, and we can, we can bring some um, quality of hope and humanity and possibility um, that th- this won't happen again. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's, you know, once it's been looked at, like, it's kind of, you know, like truth and reconciliation, right? You've got to tell the truth before you can reconcile with what happened, and then you can move forward into a new way.
0: The other thing that this book does is is, is shine a light on friendship and and the, the friendship that that one makes in their formative years is is sort mm-hmm. there's a bond there that's unlike any other friend you'd make in any other part of your life yeah. um and um <laughs> even if you don't like the people um mm-hmm. necessarily they're they're with you and um from from that time i, I i'm I'm talking to you as a guy so um the guy friends I have or, or, or any of the, you know, female friends I have, it's probably a different sort of bond that, that happens than, say, g- girls with themselves, right?
1: Well, and it's like a family thing. Does it feel kind of like almost like I'm stuck with this person? Like we have nothing in common. <laughs> we're completely opposite, right? Yes. But, but if I see you, I know you, and I will make time for you. Like we're, we're politically on completely different spectrums we parent differently, all of it, right? We're in different socioeconomic situations. But if I see you on the street, I'm going to get tears in my eyes.
0: And and I was thinking about it because, because the, the, the book takes place in a small, you grew up in a small town. Uh, I've grown up in Vancouver my whole life. Um, at the same time, it, it doesn't matter where one grows up. That, that, that sort of bond, that sort of friendship, that's universal, if you will.
1: Yeah, it's the same, and it's the same feeling. I think that's why the book is being called The Stand By Me for Girls We've All Been Waiting For, because mm-hmm. the sense in that movie of those boys on that weekend, on those tracks, in their freedom, it's such a human feeling of the, the moment before everything changes, the moment before adulthood begins, that, the, that preciousness that you don't realize is precious until you look back on it as an adult that's um i hadn't seen that or felt that depicted in a movie or a play or a book and so i think i i did depict it in skid dogs and that is that feeling of when you're not being watched and 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 you don't you don't care how you're perceived and you're free and nobody knows where you are and you're safe and you're wild it's a pretty precious time
0: it is Uh, was skid dogs always going to be the title
1: you know what? I know it was not. And the reason it became the title was because I was talking to one of my friends from this gang. I hadn't talked to her in years.
0: Yeah. And she
1: said, okay, see you later, Skid Dog. And I said, what? She said, Skid Dog. Remember, that's what we used to call each other. Skid Dog. And I went, oh my God, you just named the book.
0: <laughs> I had
1: forgotten that, that was that was our, our name for each other. Skid Dog. It was just something we made up. And it meant like,
0: you piece of crap. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I kept wondering as I was, uh, well, I wondered this several months ago when I first started it, what it was about. Then, you know, you you, you unpack it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's funny that you mentioned, by the way, that, that you'd forgotten it um, mm-hmm. after all those years. Isn't that, uh, uh, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's the other thing about this book that I, I just I found incredibly fascinating and, and useful even, is is how we, how our memories work and how we remember things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how I may remember things differently, yeah. too, you know? Like, like, I'm sure there are stories in that book that are remembered differently. And I think what it comes down to is my memory is my memory, and I explain it as my memory. Um, I don't expect it to be anybody else's. It's, it's my attempt at truth.
0: Um, the book has gotten marvelous notices um, since it's yep. come out. That must be gr- gratifying to, to to read those.
1: Oh, I mean, it's just uh, I, I. I really felt truly like I kind of filleted myself emotionally. Yeah. Um, I really it my my art for me is a socio political practice. I'm trying to help the world. I'm trying to put good things make the world a better place through this hard work of being open and honest with the world. And so to have it noticed, to have it appreciated and valued, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It means so much, right? Because I'm not doing this to be by myself in my room. I am dancing like everybody's watching, you know? I don't, I'm I'm wanting people to watch and, you know, dance along.
0: So, so the theater is your day job. Um, will you continue to write? Because, I mean, this is a marvelous. Yeah. I mean, both both yeah. projects are marvelous to to yeah. consume.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's, um, as I'm aging, as I'm moving into the country, into the woods, as COVID taught me that I like spending time alone, it's become a beautiful new career. And so, yes, I'm working on a theater show in Vancouver right now, it's been a tour all over the world. Um, I have multiple shows coming up in the future and now I have these months of time that I book off for writing so I know I'm going to write in March I know what the next book is going to be I know when I'm going to try and get it published all that is a whole new beginning chapter for me which is you know 25 years in Canadian theatre awesome great that's a success and now I'm doing this this new thing that's all mine. I don't normally, because I work in theater with other people, there's seven of us in a room downstairs right now Mm -hmm. discussing ideas. Well, it's such a treat to be by myself, and it's my decision. It's my idea. I pick it. I don't share it with anyone. I don't ask anyone's advice. I think it's the best word to choose. I'm going to choose that word. It's a really neat new way of making art for me, and so like 25 in years into a an art career to have this new form of expression oh my gosh it's really exciting
0: the long mate continue i i um i love skid dogs and 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 trying to be good is is a a, a great piece altogether.
1: awesome thank Um, you joe
0: it's been a pleasure speaking with you congratulations on everything and continued good luck with the book
1: thanks joe and everyone please come and um meet me on instagram at amelia sf i would love to be your friend there
0: The website for more is at emiliasemingtonfetti.com. Her Instagram account is at emiliasf. The book is called Skid Dogs. It's published by Douglas and McIntyre. It's author Emilia Semington Fetti. Join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.